me. I thought Jalen Hurts was the best player on the field in that game. Um, I'm so impressed with this guy. Uh, his demeanor, his character, the way he handles himself, um, just the ability to run for three touchdowns and 70 yards. Um, he continues to amaze me. And, uh, you know, Philly's going to be good for – Hello and welcome to the 81st episode of the Clubhouse Combos. I am your host, Dan Hayes, and we are finally back. Um, took a two, three, even maybe four week hiatus uh, from recording and kind of posting stuff on the Instagram. Uh, guys are busy. Uh, I know I'm busy with football. Everyone's busy with school, um, but we're finally back. Uh, Going to be recording now regularly like we were um, before, so but kind of a re-entry type pod going to cover everything, football, basketball, NHL, all that fun stuff. Um, but today I'm joined uh, by two of my co-hosts, Evan and Colin. Evan, how are you doing today? Um, doing pretty good, Dan. Um, trying to think what happened in my day. And you know what? I'm kind of blanking on it. I took a nap. That was probably the highlight. That's good. Always a, a, there's always a benefit in college naps, I feel. They're just so much better than when you're at home. hundred percent. I don't know. What I feel like is. every time I wake up from a nap at home, I feel sick. Yeah. Like I feel worse than I felt when I went to sleep. Yeah. But at college, like you're ready to stay up till three in the morning. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even on school nights. Exactly. So uh, anything from you, Colin, anything about your day? No, no, not much. I mean, um, no. Pretty average day for me. My uh, Monday, Wednesdays are pretty hefty. Class 11 to 3.30. So bang that out, come home, do nothing, watch some Celtics tonight. Hopping on the pod with the fellas, talk some sports. It's been a while. It has been a while indeed. Um, and funny you bring up the Celtics. I actually have them in a, uh, a nice little parlay. So hopefully, hopefully that hits. I have the Rangers later tonight. So we'll see. <laughs> Um, but as I said, we're going to kind of touch all bases of sports because we've been gone for so long. Um, I think obviously big elephant in the room. We'll talk about the Super Bowl first. And of course, my Philadelphia Eagles losing uh, 35 to 38 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, Eagles were up 10 at half, but, you know, it's just I kind of thought about it going into the game. I was obviously confident being an Eagles fan. You have to be confident in your team. But like going up against Mahomes is starting to become like going up against Brady in the playoffs. It's just, you really can't bet against Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid. You just can't. And it's unfortunate. Eagles had a really good year. Um, it was fun being a fan, but I mean, I kind of, I, I understand the, the sour taste you get after losing a Super Bowl. Um, Cause obviously I was too young for that first Super Bowl against New England, but that second one with the Eagles, it, it felt good, but then you finally get the other side of it and it sucks. So um, I honestly, my personal thoughts about the game, I thought it was an ugly first half from the Eagles, even though they're up 10. 
Um, I think they kind of the, – the Chiefs just didn't have the ball a lot. Um, I think that whole fumble from Jalen Hurts actually kind of benef- benefited them in a way because the Chiefs couldn't go on a drive after that to kind of waste some clock and take the ball away from the Eagles, as weird as it kind of seems. But um, we'll kind of also get into it from some discussion. But I'm just not impressed with what Jonathan Gannon had uh, from a defensive standpoint. I know the field is kind of crappy and that limits what your de- defensive line can do. But it's, I've not been impressed at all with what he's had as a scheme. And he's off to Arizona, and I'm kind of happy about it. It sounds weird. You make the Super Bowl, and you're happy your defensive coordinator's leaving. But that's, that's kind of at where I'm at with Jonathan Gannon and this Eagles defense. Um, so kind of overall take from that, it sucks that the Eagles lost. But, I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. I don't know what else to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I have a couple things to say. Uh, so I kind of expected the game to go this way. I, I picked the Chiefs. I thought the Eagles would be up at half. Um, I actually had a same game parlay that if it wasn't for MBS would have made me some nice cash because I had Eagles spread in the first half and then Chiefs spread in the second half, and the odds were crazy. But this, this is kind of how I start going. Like, you look at all these big games that Casey has won over the last five years. They're down at half. They come out. The offense adjusts to whatever you gave them, and they beat you. And that's just how it goes. Holding or not, I mean, Chiefs are going to kick a field goal there. They're going to go up. Yes, you get another possession, but this is a Chiefs team that has literally stopped so many last drive drives in playoff games. And th- this is the Eagles' First time, really, for Hertz and the core of that offense. Brown had never been. Uh, Sanders, I don't believe, was there. So, like, all these – all the young younger guys that carried them this year don't have that kind of experience. I don't know if they score, but me, I think the Chiefs win that game regardless of the holding. Um, there's one other thing that I had to say. I can't remember. Pass it on. Mm. Well, it obviously is tough to get – you know, so close and, you know, not win that game um, because it was there for the taking for Philadelphia coming out of the half. And I mean, that was a big drive for KC to go down and make that 24 to 21 Um, thoughts from me. I thought Jalen hurts was the best player on the field in that game. Um, I'm so impressed with this guy, Uh, his demeanor, his character, the way he handles himself, um, just the ability to run for three touchdowns and 70 yards. Um, he continues to amaze me. And, uh, you know, Philly's going to be good for a while um, with Hurts, with, you know, Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. So, Dan, I can assure you there's not much to worry about there. Um, and obviously that offensive line. Um, I guess I was a little fooled, though, by that defense. And, and I don't know if you attribute it more to Mahomes or the defense struggling, but like they just could not generate much pass rush. And I know KC's strength and no one, everyone talks about Philly's O-line. No one really talks about Kansas City's O-line and how that is also one of the best units. Both did a phenomenal job. Didn't really see Chris Jones much. Didn't really see Javon Hargrave, Hassan Reddick at all. Uh, So both the lines I thought were great. Let's see what else do I have. Uh, yeah, MVS also. Real quick, uh, Ev, if I can chime in. Sure. Um, I think for the Eagles, like, it's not – I don't know if I'm so much blaming Gannon. I think their schedule, like, this year – we've talked about it at length. I mean, they just didn't play in any close games like this against a caliber 
team like the Chiefs. Like, I think if they had had some close games in the regular season, and even if San Francisco is fully healthy and that game was close, like, I think that gives them a big boost in terms of, like, feeling confident going into that game, which I think they did. But, again, I feel like, you know, some, some things you just can't account for on the stat sheet. I like I agree the notion of you need to be in close games to kind of be like prepared for that scenario but like I don't think there's anything from that game where the Eagles seemed like not confident in their play or no I'm talking just the defense playing an offense that good like they didn't play an offense that good all year well I guess like you can make that case but I also think it does come down to like I don't know if there's any defense that's going to stop Mahomes and Travis Kelsey in that situation. I just don't like, I think you could scheme better against some of those red zone plays that absolutely the guys are wide open. Yeah. You could handle that better, but I think that that just comes down to scheme and how you pass off certain receivers and your man coverage rules and your motion and stuff like that. So like, I don't know if being in a big game necessarily, maybe the better offenses you're exposed to that. Some of the, the weaker teams don't have that creativity, but I, I don't know. I just think you kind of run into that offense. And again, I think both of you saying the defense is a little overrated. I think I even alluded to that at times this year. So that may, that may be part of it, but I I think the Eagles were definitely, despite their schedule, were prepared to play this game against the Chiefs. I thought they definitely looked prepared. I was just going to say, I thought the defense like was good. I never really thought it was overrated until this game. And to your point, Dan, I just don't know. Where do you attribute that to? Casey's O-line was so good. You kind of get pass rush. Um, Mahomes, obviously, and Kelsey, unbelievable. Just two more thoughts. MVS, yes, he also uh, lost me some funds uh, in a parlay with Goddard and Smith on the overs, which both hit. So that sucked. So screw you, MVS, if you're listening to this. And then my last thought, um, Miles Sanders, gone, not sure where he was, definitely not coming back. And I'm sure you'd agree. Yeah, um, obviously we'll get into a lot of offseason and sim talk. I, I have no plans to bring back Miles Sanders. I just don't think for the price tag that he's probably worth on the open market. I don't think it's worth it. I think anyone can really do what he did. Um, I love Kenneth Gainwell. I'd love to pair him with a bigger back, and that's your kind of one-two combo there in Philly. Um, Miles, Maybe it's like Ezekiel Miles, Elliott. He's a free agent in the sim. Don't see myself going after Ezekiel Elliott. I will say that. <laughs> I'm thinking cheaper than Ezekiel Elliott, even though he'll probably be dirt cheap in the sim. But um, just first play of the game, he fumbles. I think then, like, we have the whole, did he catch it or not? And is it a fumble six? Like, he just – in the biggest moments, he wasn't playing well, did, never played well against the Giants, mostly due in part to everyone knows Boston Scott is getting the ball as Evan blows his nose over there. Um, <laughs> but um, I don't see Miles Sanders coming back. And I guess I'll kind of get into it about my gripe with this Eagles defense and Jonathan Gannon because um, I just started to think about it. Go I know ahead. a lot of people – a lot of people are making comments about like the, the grass and how all oh, these Eagles pass rushers, they can't get a footing. They can't, they're slipping everywhere. Jonathan Gannon is as like, you have Hassan Reddick, you have Josh Sweat, you have depth on that defensive line with Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Davis, Linval Joseph, Nadamik and Sue. Huh. You have so much depth there. Brandon Graham. And you're the second least 
defense in terms of stunting with your defensive line, meaning like they're not just always rushing the tackles. Like sometimes they loop inside. Sometimes your defensive tackles loop outside, just trying to create some motion, some, some misdirection uh, to get pass rushers free. You're telling me you have all that talent and you're just going to base rush the entire game. And that's a big, that's basically what they did. And that's why they kept slipping because they're trying to get around these tackles and all they did was wash them outside and they eventually fall down. That's not creative in any sense of the way. So that's one this season. The fact that they had as many sacks as they did, Jonathan Gannon gets bailed out. The fact that TJ Edwards somehow is going to get paid like $7 million, $8 million this offseason, even though he's the worst liability in coverage, that's somehow him getting bailed out as well. TJ Edwards is maybe the most overrated linebacker in football. I don't know how he wasn't exposed as much as he was. One second, I'll let you speak. Then the secondary... Listen, I love Darius Slay. I love James Bradbury. I love CJ Garner-Johnson. For being the second-rated pass defense, you you honestly suck this year. Like, I, I just don't – like, this. there's no way after watching all these games that they were the second-best pass unit. I, I just don't get it. Like, and I think it showed in the Super Bowl. Like, this, this soft zone philosophy, this Vangio system – that Jonathan Gannon is running, it doesn't work. Like they just let up so many underneath routes. And then somehow we think back to the Dallas game, they're letting up a third and 30. Like they're just not that good. And maybe it goes back to the schedule of how this defense actually looked good. But Jonathan Gannon is just not impressive. His scheme is very bland up front when you have all that talent. And in the back half, it's just this soft Vangio system, too high defense that, We've seen a lot of teams, the Browns, the Packers, the Vikings. It doesn't work. It's just not working anymore. And that's why their run defense also struggled this year. When you have two high safeties, it's easier to run. So I'm not impressed with Jonathan Gannon. And I, for sure, am glad he is off to Arizona and let them struggle with that defense. Evan, you go first. Well, the defense in Arizona can't get much worse. So, (laughs) you know, they they can only go up from there. I'm just going to touch on uh, TJ Edwards. Um, in one of my fantasy leagues, we have, like, defensive players, so you get, like, a linebacker or whatever. I had him for a portion of the year. Uh, like, very uh, very good at uh, amassing tackles, uh, picking those up. But, yeah, I kind of was unaware that his pass coverage has just been brutal. I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, what I was going to say was it almost felt like the Eagles, like, allowed the Chiefs to do what they want underneath where, like – Right now, the state of the Chiefs roster, they didn't have a deep threat. So had the Eagles just gone one high safety or whatever, whatever you do, Dan, I'm sure you know better, to bring in some guys underneath and shut that down. Like Kelsey had so many big holes over the middle, over and over. Like and it just allowed the Chiefs to move the ball so easily. And Pacheco too had his way all night. They weren't able to shut him down. Really, no no big play from the secondary in the run game. Gardner Johnson came up a couple times. But other than that, it was like they weren't even on the field when they were running the ball. What, I just feel like uh, for having two weeks to game plan and knowing what the Chiefs were coming with, like you got to go in there and just double Kelsey on every fucking play. I, I don't know how you can't. Well, who was in coverage on? Yes. Edwards. Was it Edwards or was there a safety? Because I wasn't really paying attention. 
So here's the thing. This is this Vangio system. It's not a man coverage system. You're not saying, hey, CJ Gardner-Johnson, you're going to go on Travis Kelsey and follow him everywhere. You're just playing zone coverage. So obviously TJ Edwards being the Mike backer, he's just kind of that that middle hook to the zone type curl in the middle, uh, hook zone, sorry, uh, in the middle. And then you got your safeties up top and like you're just finding space in between. You're trying to get in between Kaiser White and Reed Blankenship or you're trying to have now, obviously, you get in the red zone, and we have what happens with all of a sudden you have Marcus Epps covering Travis Kelsey. Ooh. That's just your base defense going up against an offense, not taking any personnel into, um, just not accounting for any personnel. Like, it's just I don't know. I, it, it's a really I struggle to understand the the concept of that system and how they applied it to the Chiefs. CJ Gardner Johnson would have been nice to have on Kelsey because he gets in your face and like he's a physical safety. You remember some of the beef that he's had with uh, back in New Orleans with I think maybe Mike Evans. Like not sure off the top of my head, but like this this guy is like, you know, he gets in your face. Like I, I'm shocked to you know he's that they use that uh, more uh, and put the safety on because that's what you see other teams do against Kelsey. And I know it's not always going to work, but like. You need a physical safety, in my opinion, who can cover and play in coverage well in man on Kelsey. Or at least someone can run with him. That's fair. Um, The only problem is CJ Garnett Johnson's only like 5'10. Travis Kelsey's like 6'5, 6'6, like, and can move like a wide receiver. So that's the only issue you got. So you can't always have CJ Garnett Johnson on him because they're just going to throw him jump balls. And sorry, Kelsey's going to win that. Can't put TJ Edwards on him because he's not going to keep up with him and there's no other player that the Eagles can possibly put on. You're not going to put a corner on him and let these receivers run free against some of our, that's another thing. Eagles uh, secondary depth, absolutely awful. There's no corner outside of the top two guys. Um, So you can't put Darius Slay or James Bradbury on him. So it's a complete mismatch. And this is what a lot of teams run into with Kelsey. There's just, there is, it's like Gronk. There is no player I mean, you can't put I, on. I think successful defenses in the past, at least watching Gronk, their success was a linebacker with the safety over him all the time. And that's a lot to devote as a defensive coordinator in coverage, two guys to one player at all times. That, that's going to leave you with some sort of mismatch somewhere else. But, I mean, I think when you're the Eagles and you have Slay and Bradbury on the outside – I'm taking those two over Juju and MBS. I'd rather take that risk than get burned by Kelsey over and over. Yeah, I mean, but then also you have the problem, which, I mean, it's a modernized NFL now, RPOs and everything. I mean, you could have all those resources attributed to Kelsey on a route, and then all of a sudden Isaiah Pacheco's going into a light box. It's tough when you go up against an offense like that. Many well, weapons, and they're too smart. Yeah. They they just find ways to get them the ball no matter what. Exactly. I would also say, and I I don't know this guy's frame, but I was just doing like a little research in terms of like big games where you know teams would have to match up with Gronk, and like you look at Jacksonville versus New England in that AFC Championship game. Like it, to your point, that it wasn't Ramsey, um, or I forget who that second corner was that year, but like it was to oh, Sean yeah. Gibson who was on him, and so a safety there. But again, you're never going to be able to fully stop a guy like Gronk or Travis Kelsey because they're just too dominant at their position. Exactly. I would just say real quick, and I like we haven't gotten into too much on it, but like, you know, 
I just didn't love the penalty. I didn't love it. Not in that spot. It may be in a different spot, but like in that situation, I don't love it. I've seen people go back and forth on like, yeah, that was holding. No, it wasn't. To me, it probably was by the rule book, but I just don't know if you can throw it in that situation. And there's obviously no right answer because no matter what you do, you know, people are going to be a little ticked off. I think by the rules, it was a hold, but the way they called that game, it was a very clean game all around, I'd say. What they call four, maybe five penalties, and half of them were delay a game or false start. So it's just so hard to, in the biggest game of the year, call that on the line of scrimmage. Like he's not even five yards off yet. I understand, yes, you tug the jersey, that's a hold every time, but it's just had Mahomes throwing the ball to the other side of the field, does that even get thrown? I mean, Mahomes knew it. He saw it. That's why it went to Juju. I guess, I don't know. After the game, I was very much like, how do you throw that penalty? Obviously, emotions are riding high. And, like, I even kind of admitted it probably was holding. James Bradbury said it was holding. Um, I don't know. Much respect to him for that. Yeah, I mean, listen, the Eagles have been absolutely classy in all of their interviews. I mean, we had the whole – Valentine's Day the Eagles kind of took their shots but like they've been respectful regardless and the Chiefs have been respectful back to the Eagles besides Juju um I don't know if you guys have seen the quotes Travis Kelsey and Mahomes have had about Jalen um obviously Andy Reid talking about the Eagles former coach um but just I don't know to have the game end in the ref not not that it ends in the ref's hands there's a whole 60 minutes of game to be played it doesn't come down to one call by the ref, but like it don't. But it feels but, that way. Well, let's be honest. Let's just hypothetical here, not reality, mm-hmm. hypothetical. Let's say it's not called. Chiefs kick a field goal. There's like a minute 30 left. Eagles do have a timeout. They can absolutely, with all those weapons, go down the field and kick a game tying field goal. We're going to overtime. And then you don't know. Maybe the Eagles get the ball, or maybe they even score in regulation, but Eagles get the ball in overtime. They score. Chiefs get the ball. They score in overtime. We, you just don't know. It's a hypothetical, but it, it's just tough to have it end that way. But I mean, you go up 10 at half. I mean, you should be able to handle business there. I don't think you, you shouldn't have it lead to, oh, well, just don't throw the flag. That's yeah. kind of how I look. I will say real quick uh, before calling it, looked like you had something to say. I thought it was a hell of a Super Bowl. One of the best I can remember. Um, high scoring game. People love that stuff. Um, great for the ratings. Um, you know, great, just great for, fo- great for football. Um, and it was entertaining. I, I think we had a, a good time watching Colin. Yeah, it was a great game. I mean, the future is bleak for the rest of the league. If you are not a Kansas City Chiefs fan, because they are an absolute wagon and there's absolutely no way around it. As long as Reed and Mahomes are together there, they're, they're going to be something to handle every single year. Uh, you want to talk about ratings? Rihanna got five more million views than the game, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting. That's an actual stat? Yeah, she got 18 point something, and the game got 13.1, maybe. Oh? Like peak viewership. Interesting. Oh. Which means five million TVs turned on just to watch Rihanna. That's insane. It's all those, uh, you know, non-football fans, though. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. <laughs> Interesting. I didn't. 
and we, we don't have to get into it. I didn't think the halftime show was that special, but then again, I don't, I'm not in the, like the whole pop culture. I thought it was pretty good stuff. to be honest. I liked it. I, I will say she's pregnant. So I'm I'd like, she's not going to do a lot of stuff to like just be <laughs> extravagant, I guess. So like, I, I understand yeah. that. I like, I kind of like it though. I can't stand when they do all the crazy shit. It's like this is all just a show now. Fly out of the uh, the yeah. stadium. <laughs> Should we move to power rankings? Uh yeah, I was just about to bring that up. Um, so that's our Super Bowl talk, wrapping up the NFL. Um, the only talk we'll really have now is uh, the off season sim and some draft stuff and free agency. Long way to go until it is back to every week. What the hell am I gonna do with my Sundays? <sighs> I, don't golf, baby. Man, I don't know. I will say, um, you know, it, it's crazy. Next season will be the third season of Slinging It Deep, which is pretty crazy. We've been doing it for uh, what will soon be next uh, three seasons, so yeah, and I want to have football, so we can really, you know, yeah, we can start to dive into some stuff, I think. All right, um, we kind of move into our power rankings, also use that as a way to kind of discuss what's happened, our thoughts across these leagues. Um, I'll start. Uh, can you guys see the screen? All right. Can you scroll zoom it down in. just slightly? Yeah. Let's say zoom out a little bit. There you go. I like the zoom. Yeah, All right. that's fine. All right, so we will start with the NBA, um, and then I'll let you guys kind of get in the NHL later. Um, but so coming in at number one is the Boston Celtics back up at the top since the last time we've done this. We received a, a lot of crap when we had them at two, probably a month ago. Um, Milwaukee Bucks at two, Denver Nuggets three, Cleveland Cavaliers four, Philadelphia 76ers five, Phoenix Suns six, Memphis Grizzlies seven, Dallas Mavericks eight, Miami Heat nine, New York Knicks ten. Sacramento Kings 11 and the Los Angeles Clippers at 12 and the New Orleans Pelicans at 13 receiving some votes. Um, and by some, I mean, from Colin, um, just my thoughts before you guys, guys kind of get into this. Um, if I had time, I probably would actually swap the Sixers for the Cavs because the Sixers are currently like just boat racing the Cavaliers. I think they're up like 30 at half. Oh, wow. Um, in terms of uh, what else were my notes? Um, so I like the Sixers. Obviously, the Suns getting KD, that's huge for them. I think that's going to boost them up the rankings um, once he finally starts playing. Dallas getting Kyrie, I do really like that. Just need to see more of it to kind of actually buy into it because um, even with Kyrie on the Nets, they weren't always at the top. Um, and then really, after that top eight, I think it's a real crapshoot. I don't buy into Miami. I don't buy into New York. I think Sacramento is nice, but I just I don't know if I could trust them in the playoffs. Um, so really, I think it's a race between these top eight teams. I think any of these teams could go on a championship run. I mean, to me, Celtics are the best team in the East. I think with KD, the Suns are the best team in the West, and that's your final. I, I just don't see Milwaukee. I, I don't see anyone else beating those teams at full health in seven. I just don't. Um, I, I like the Kyrie edition. I think that it makes sense. There's still just not enough. Like, you're not going to outscore KD, Booker, Aiden, and Paul together every night. You can't do it four times in seven games. It, it just won't happen. 
Um, and same for the Celtics, one healthy. I mean, their bench would be a better starting five than some teams in the bottom 10. Uh, I mean, it's crazy how good they are. Um, I'd echo a lot of those same points. Um, for me, looking at the Celtics, I honestly love how they match up against um, Milwaukee, obviously. I like how they match up against Cleveland. I love how they match up against Philadelphia. If Boston loses, and I'll get this on the record, if Boston loses a playoff series this year, it's going to be to either one of two teams. It's going to be to either the Miami Heat or the New York Knicks. Yeah, those are I'm the two worst that. matchups. You're going to get that on the record now. Miami, just in terms of their ability to push us to seven last year, Miami's not one of those pesky teams. To come, come playoff time, Jimmy Butler uh, turns up. Gabe Vincent turns up. Max Drews turns up. Bam Adebayo turns up. The, that matchup is a little difficult for the Celtics, and it's it proved itself a little bit uh, in the playoffs last year. For the Knicks, I just love Jalen Brunson and what he's been able to bring to that team. Uh, we saw they came into the Garden like a few weeks ago, two and a half, three weeks ago, um, and Julius Randle went off and Jalen Brunson went off, and now they just got Josh Hart in there, who's a really nice piece. So um, – I think those two matchups for Boston are a little iffy. I still would say that the Celtics would win probably like six or seven, but if they were to lose a playoff series, I'd say it's either the Miami Heat or the New York Knicks. I That's just a weird – personally for me, I, I think that's a weird take. Um, I Like Miami, I get it. I think they're just kind of underachieving. Um I think we kind of see this a lot from teams that consistently are at the top of the conference, even if their roster is kind of the same, eventually they kind of just like, they kind of take the regular season off in a way. And I think Miami's one of those teams roster hasn't really changed that much, but like there's kind of just coasting in the regular season. Um, so I guess I could see it, but I don't really buy into the Knicks being uh, that good of a matchup against the Celtics. Um, I think all you do is take Jalen or Marcus Smart's coming back. I think he played today. You stick him on Brunson, and then I think Robert Williams can absolutely handle uh, Julius Randle, and I really don't know if there's any other player that can be that effective against the Celtics for the Knicks. Um, he's, I don't know. I'm no, not, it's I'm a fair, really it's a fair point. It, it's just almost one of those you know gut feelings. I mean, we remember back to sure. the early 2010s where the Celtics would match up against the Knicks in the playoffs and Melo and Amari Stoudemire, and it would be tough for that team going into MSG for a playoff game, uh, sort of with that environment. So Knicks, to me, are pesky. Uh, I agree with your point, Stan. Like, I'd say Miami's more the more likely uh, playoff loss if there was one out of those two. But Knicks, I just, you know, if they can get R.J. Barrett going again, like, they, not bad. They're not a bad team, and they did match up really well when they played at the Garden uh, probably a month ago now. Um, one team for me that I didn't have in my top 12, which I heard this tonight actually watching the Celtics, Kings have the best rated offense in the league. Um, pretty interesting to me. I wonder what that would look like in the playoffs if they would just outscore teams. I will say for the Kings, De'Aaron Fox is playing really well. I know the last couple of years he's kind of been – up and down. I think he's playing really good basketball right now. Um, obviously the Sabonis trade, I just talked about this with my roommates last night, like the steal. they made the trade last year and it was really, it was a really confusing move for the Kings because they weren't competing. 
But you look at it this year, and it's a slam dunk trade. You get Sabonis, you're competing right now, and you trade away Tyrese Halliburton to the Pacers, who they're not good, but they have they have a future with Halliburton now as kind of like that young uh, kind of stud prospect in a way um, for the Pacers that eventually they'll kind of get their roster figured out and maybe they go on a playoff push in a couple of years and have Halliburton be the guy. But and Halliburton Kings. just didn't fit on that Kings roster with Fox either. I think that was a big issue. And he mm-hmm. like they just they have a contested backcourt. Yeah. Um, like and the Kings, you look at the rest of their lineup, Herter um coming from the Hawks, like he's a good three-point guy, not that special, he's not a great athlete, but I mean he serves a purpose, take uh making shots from beyond the arc. Um Harrison Barnes, just a vet with some experience. Doesn't really too much, honestly, when he's out there. But then obviously Keegan Murray was the fourth pick in the draft from Iowa. So there's some youth and he's played really well as well. Matched up with Sabonis. I mean, Kings are a pretty good team. I think they're third in the West. Um, do I think they'll make a lot of noise in the playoffs? No, I think there's just a lot of inexperience there, especially when you're talking about the Suns and how loaded they are. Um, the Nuggets, how loaded they are once Jamal Murray gets back. Um, and even the Mavericks, if this kind of this combo of Kyrie and uh, Luca works out, I mean, that's a team that can make it back to the Western Conference Finals. So, but I do like what the Kings are doing. And I definitely think they are deserving of at least a top 10 vote. Fair. I had them 11. I could make the case, though, that they could be top 10. Colin, surprised, yeah, I, a little surprised you don't have them. I should have included them. It's just a team like it was like beginning of the season they were playing well and everyone's like oh they'll fall off. It's just one of those teams like where, the Jazz did. Yeah, uh, like the Jazz fell off, the Pelicans have kind of fallen off as of late. Um, and even if we look at it out of L terms, it's kind of how like me and Connor looked at the Giants or the Seahawks. Like they'll eventually fall off. Like it, it's kind of like that. The Kings are obviously NBA can't make a full comparison, but like Kings are still kind of riding um, that wave of success. Yeah, all you got to do is get in. And if they can stay top four and get like a uh, maybe a nice matchup, I'm not sure who they would maybe play. Maybe like Clipper. I don't know. It, the West is interesting. The Lakers potentially. No. They got a lot of climbing to do to get in that top six. <laughs> Lakers uh, are like 13th no, no, right no, now no. in the West. Lakers, Lakers just got to make the play. If they make the play, there's no way LeBron doesn't get through. Agreed. I, I don't know, man. That roster is really bad. I it don't is care bad. how they move at the deadline. They're still not comparing to a lot of these teams. It doesn't matter if they, if they have, have Davis, LeBron healthy. They should at least win through the play-in. But that's a big question. They did, they did just beat the Warriors the other night. Warriors, we don't talk about the Warriors. The Warriors are in Struggling. a lot of trouble. Because Curry's out, obviously, still. They've proven with this Clay Wiggins, uh, you know, Lord knows. Uh, I'm spacing Omega, Green. Omega, thank you. Cool. I don't know why they traded Wiseman. That was such a terrible trade. Five second-round picks. I know, but five second-round picks for a former number one overall, and then you flop that back for Gary Payton, who you deemed uh, too expensive to keep last year. Just strange. Yeah, they should have got Bay, but they've proved it without Steph to not be able to win. They're, They're good at home. They can't win on the road. Anyway. Yeah, I think the Warriors, like as a team, I think they put all their eggs into winning the championship last year, take this year off, and then recharge next year. I mean, 
the Warriors can do that. They just they can. Yeah, I mean, I feel bad for the teams, the two teams that are in the play-in, and you got the Warriors and the Lakers in the play-in. <laughs> like, good luck. Yeah, that's kind of it's gonna be like the Thunder going up against LeBron. LeBron's <laughs> just gonna go for like fifty. Yeah, absolutely murder them. No shot. Should we flip to NHL? Uh, yeah, I, I think we're no other takes on NBA, correct? No. All right. So this is your guys' segment with the NHL. I'll give my thoughts at the end because I don't really have any. Um, so, but uh, I'll at least say what the rankings are. Um, so coming in at number one is the Boston Bruins. Uh, two, the um, Carolina Hurricanes. I, for some reason, I always struggle from where they're from. Uh, but then we have a three-way tie for third uh, with the New York Rangers, New Jersey Devils, and Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, so coming in at that would be six would be the Toronto Maple Leafs, seven, the Dallas Stars, eight, New York or New York Jets, Winnipeg Jets, um, nine, Golden Knights, uh, 10, Edmonton Oilers, 11, Seattle Kraken, and 12, Colorado Avalanche, and a couple other teams getting some votes. Um, I'll just give my quick thoughts, I guess. Um, I don't think there's any good teams from the West. I think they all kind of have their spurts where they go on a win streak, but I don't think any of them are good. The only team I maybe like is Dallas. Um, I think the East is going to be a bloodbath that I honestly don't think the Bruins win. Um, just kind of like you were saying earlier uh, with the whole Miami and New York take in the NBA, it's a gut feeling. I don't think the Bruins can do it. Um, but I, I don't think the West for the NHL has any good teams compared to what the East has to offer. I mean, the Bruins are a fucking wagon, and there's not one team outside of Carolina that that gets on my radar in terms of actual fear in a seven-game series. The Rangers, Rangers are approaching there. Tarasenko was a fantastic guy. I'm happy, to see you, happy to see you have him third, Evan. Yep. Uh, them third, as, as do I. Yeah, Rangers are legit. But those Metro teams, two of them are going to knock each other out. And same in the East, or the Atlantic, right away. And I'm taking Boston over Tampa. I'm taking Boston over Toronto. I'm taking Boston over Buffalo, Florida, Washington, Pittsburgh, New York Islanders. Anyone that could possibly match up against them in the first round, easy win. Second round, Hurricanes Rangers might end up – one of them might lose in the first round, and they very well could based on matchups. So you never know. If the Hurricanes get Buffalo, whew, they could lose that series. If the Hurricanes get the Islanders and Sorokin gets hot, they could lose that series. They could get they could run into a hot Darcy Kemper in Washington. You never know. Um, as for the West, uh, I agree. Weaker, for sure. I agree with you there, Dan. Golden Knights need to be respected. I have them for <laughs> They have been good all year. They've been in first place all year, no matter the loss. Petrangelo extended time, Theodore extended time. Robin Leonard's missed the whole year. They're starting goaltender coming into the year. Eichel missed a month. Uh, Mark Stone is done for the year. Those are monster names who are getting paid monster money to produce for that team. And now they're mostly back. I mean, Theodore's healthy. Eichel's healthy. He's producing now. He started cold when he came back. Petrangelo's been back. I just think that they are chugging along in the West. Nobody's really taking a look at them. 
they've been in first place for a couple months now, and they really haven't wavered. So, well, Seattle got there, but then now they're on their cold stretch. Yeah. No, uh, I'm not saying Vegas is on yeah. the same level as Bruins, Hurricanes, Rangers. I'm just saying mm. you they're better than the Stars. They're better than the Jets. I think they're the best team in the West outside of maybe Colorado healthy. Um, just because, obviously, I don't follow the NHL like you guys. I just kind of see the records go up and down and all that stuff, winning streaks and all that. What are your thoughts on the Oilers? Because I've seen them recently start to kind of get into this playoff push, in, in, at least in terms of, like, the standings. Like, are they going to be – like, I know they have the two best players in hockey, essentially, with Connor McDavid and the other guy. But, like, what are your thoughts on the Oilers being, like, a team in the West? And they have four guys on pace to score 90-plus points, which would be an NHL record for a team. Um, so they have fucking star power on offense. The back end is so weak. If they went out and got Carlson or Chikrin, who they're rumored to be interested in both of them, that might change my opinion on them. And maybe another goaltender because I don't trust uh, Campbell or Skinner very much. Uh, If they were to make some moves at the deadline, maybe. But to me, just in playoff hockey, it's a different animal. It's not like Mahomes and Kelsey. Like You can shut down McDavid and Dreisaitl if you try hard enough. You can just hit them every single time they touch a puck. You can have a guy literally skate around with him the entire night. That's what Ryan Kessler did with the Anaheim Ducks a couple years ago. And McDavid, I don't think, registered a point in that series. So it can be done in hockey a lot easier than it can in other sports to shut down star players. And for that reason, I can't see Edmonton going super far. I'd echo a lot of those points. I think you have two goaltenders who are splitting time and who – I wouldn't trust. I wouldn't trust Stuart Skinner right now. Jack Campbell is playing well, but I again, like you said, Colin, you just can't trust them. Um, they need to add a defenseman, um, and then up or front two. or two up front for Edmonton. I mean, listen, if this team gets on the power play a lot in the playoffs, like they'll be fine. I, I could. I just don't see them going to the cup. I see them, you know, Western Conference Final uh, or the round prior to. Um, you know. I will say to counter that one point, uh, Colin, very physical Calgary Flames team last season. You got a lot of, you know, big defensemen. You got a lot of big forwards. Um, and McDavid ate them alive. So it, I think Flames, I think to me, the Flames just uh, like, I think you McDavid get Kachuk. You get Battle of them. Alberta. McDavid's just going to beat them. Yeah. No, I know. I just think that last year, McDavid was just like on a different. McDavid played the best playoffs he's ever played last year by far. I mean, he looked like a different player than he had in past playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also think that it's very understated what Hyman and Nugent Hopkins bring because they didn't have either of those guys playing at that level, for example, when I referenced the Anaheim series. So, yeah, it's probably harder to shove McDavid now down now, now than it was then. Um. I'll just quickly go over my points here. Um, agree completely with you, Colin, on the top three teams. Uh, I think the Rangers, I just watched the Spit and Chicklets video uh, today. Uh, Rangers like 24 and four in their last 28 games on an absolute tear, and Tarasenko adds to that. Um, I don't know. The West is interesting. I don't like Vegas at all. Uh, I'm completely different on Vegas than you are. 
to me, your goaltending is a major question mark. Logan Thompson's injured right now. And before he went down, he wasn't playing well at all. Um, and now you get Aiden Hill in there starting, who, again, I don't know. They say Thompson's week to week. I just – I don't trust the goaltending there. Um, I will say, like, experienced defensemen, physical defensemen who have played in the playoffs before, that's an advantage. But to me, up front is where I think they're a little weak. Um, you know, right now you got Paul Cotter playing on your line one. And I understand the injuries, but um, those do matter. Those do – I think uh, they make a, the a couple moves at the deadline. I think they do too. So I'll wait to judge them then. But when I mean, you got Paul Cotter and Mike Amadio in your top six, and to me, you're just not going to match up well against these other teams like a Dallas, even like in Edmonton, like a Los Angeles Kings, even if they get hot, Winnipeg, you're just not going to be able to. I like to... the Kings a lot. You're, yeah. If they get Chickram, we'll see what happens with that. But. Um, I'm out, I'm out on Vegas. I think Vegas is a complete pretender. So I don't think I could disagree more, but, uh, we'll see if they can get healthy. Um, and then sort of kind of looking at these, uh, you know, down here, uh, what do we got? We got Edmonton. Yeah. Edmonton's interesting. Uh, again, I feel like we'll have more clarity after the deadline. I'd still stand with my Jets Bruins finals prediction, but I will say now that I think one of the top three teams in these power rankings wins the cup. I would almost guarantee that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I you can put the lightning in there. They get hot. A hot Vazzy is basically unbeatable. Bruins know that best, so. Yeah. That's all I got on the NHL. We could probably wrap up. We're definitely closing in on an hour. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I don't have much to add about the NHL, so. Go Bruins. Yeah, go, go Bees. Bring, bring home the cup. That's, that's, all I, very, that's all I offer. Very excited for the NHL trade deadline. We'll definitely have um, an episode with Newman about that. Good. Absolutely. And then we also, like, probably soon, I mean, we got to start talking MLB. Mm. Very soon. <laughs> just, just some quick news. Um, former uh, head coach Rex Ryan, top candidate for Broncos defensive coordinator job. That is going to be a celebrity coaching staff in Denver, and I'm kind of all for it. Like, I honestly was just going to say I love it. Like, think about those Jets teams. They had good defenses, and I get he's been out of the league for a while, but that Broncos team has all of the pieces for him to use. Honestly, it's somewhat better that he's been out for a while because that means teams aren't – his scheme has completely changed probably. And he's also he just he's also just sat at ESPN and watched all these analysts tear yeah. apart offenses for the last 10 years on videotape. He's watched Especially Dan Orlovsky. Yeah, exactly. he's watched analysts like Dan Orlovsky, your boy, that has decided to stay at ESPN rather than – Go pursue an NFL job. Like maybe I can't believe that. Predicted. It's because New England didn't come calling. Oh, okay. Didn't want to go to the Colts where, you know, he maybe played in his career. <laughs> so. Who wants to go live in Indianapolis? No, that's a fair statement. That's a fair statement. All right. Um, so that's kind of our re-entry pod. Um, I mean, we spent basically three weeks not doing anything. So this was a good way to kind of get all the sports involved. What's happened the last couple of weeks, especially with the Super Bowl. Um, 
so yeah, we'll be back on a regular basis. Um, if you're still listening, appreciate it. And we'll catch you next time. Later. So peace. Put your tears away in the fear today. You can drive off towards that summertime sunset. It's what you ain't done yet. Take the keys, leave the regrets. Write your letters, place your bets. I'll be the one who accepts.